So hello and welcome. My name's Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Keith Abraham on the Tao of Awakening. Keith is a military veteran who fought with the elite parachute regiment in Afghanistan and Iraq. His wartime experiences led him to question not only his perception of his opponents on the battlefield, but how we perceive masculinity and courage. And Keith went on to train in Tai Chi in China, and now he offers thought-provoking ideas around masculinity, courage, and addresses topics such as forgiveness, fulfillment of dreams, power of vulnerability and sensitivity. Uh, So hi, Keith. Hi. Hi. Thank you very much. So, Keith, uh, you know, uh, we, we've met before and had a chat. And could you just tell everyone, what, what called you to join the military? What's the background on this? Well, that's fairly easy to answer. I'd always felt inclined to, uh, to join the military in some form from a very early age. I was obsessed with the heroes of, you know, of the early 80s, of Luke Skywalker and all of these great figures. Yeah. And uh, I just really felt inclined that that was really my only way of making a difference in this world. Um, and again, this is a young perspective. That it's yeah. how I felt I could go out into the world and find worthiness and value. Did, did it work out that way? <laughs> um, yes. Now, with this perspective, yes, I have to say it did. Right. I think in terms of what the military does on a social and political level and I think what we did achieved very little yeah. but on a very personal level for myself and my comrades and, and the people around me uh, and, and the wider community of the military families I think it, I think it changed a great deal for us um, not always positive of course but I think through time our perspectives change and we understand that it all gave us so much those experiences the training um, even the indoctrination of the early uh, institution training it, it brought so much focus and discipline that we can now take into other branches of our lives as we become civilians or, or whatever we decide to do right what was what was it like being in the war zone? So you served in um, Afghanistan and Iraq, pretty uh, dangerous places, uh, I imagine. Can you just give us an ex- idea of what happened there for you? Uh, yeah, it, I always the easiest thing to say is, is a quote from Dickens: "Is that it's the the worst of times and the best of times." Yeah. Uh, the best of times was just the camaraderie, the the sense of brotherhood was was my, my words will never do it justice. Yeah. Uh, but the worst of times was it was war like you have you would have seen in the movies it was uh, the most intense experience of my life mm. uh, my unit alone in the seven months that I was in Afghanistan in 2008 we lost uh, 10, 10 of our men and our, that's just the, um, the deaths the, uh, the injuries were too many to I haven't got the numbers now but they've been um, compared to second world war figures so it's really really intense war fighting very very intense right goodness now I know when we met uh, you, you, you told me about your kind of spiritual awakening in Afghanistan which I thought was quite incredible um, yeah. how can you have a spiritual awakening in a war zone <laughs> well in, in all honesty it did come towards the end of the tour but I'm definitely conscious of 
the the impact of the more significant traumatic events of the fighting. Um, so, as I said, I lost uh, I lost a lot of friends during that summer, and um, I'm not for one minute trying to convince people that I had spiritual awakenings while being shot at or while shooting at other people. Yeah, but that sense of profound trauma uh, of of seeing your friends killed, having to carry them off of the battlefield, um, or, or just even helping your injured injured comrades. Um, that level of uh, physical trauma uh, is hard, hard to cope with. Yeah. But it was so hard that it, it quite quickly became the catalyst for, for its complete opposite. Mm. Towards the end of the tour, the, um, the intensity of the fighting just subsided a little bit. Uh, it was still very threatening, um, but it gave me this a little bit of space to question what we'd been doing, just yeah. a little reflection. And um, and it was in that reflection, a difficult, very difficult reflection, but um, when I was honest with myself, I began to see that the people at the other end of the battlefield were pretty much just like me, just doing what they thought was best. Mm. Um, I've said it before as well, there are clearly people out there that, that take pleasure in harming other people. I'm not denying that for a minute. But I think the majority of us, we're just trying to do what we think was best. And it may have been misguided picking up arms and violence, doing violence against each other. But um, at the time, with our background and our experiences, I feel that the vast majority of people on that battlefield and in most battlefields and in most conflicts, whatever the conflict is, are just trying to do the, the best that they can. Yeah. I think you had a sense, uh, yeah, that, that, that um, if I remember, it's going from, yeah, these guys were your enemy and then suddenly maybe they're not quite, you saw it quite in a different light. Isn't that kind of strange for a soldier to, to see it that way? Yeah, yeah, you might be right, but I think there's a history to it. I, I think, um, of course, there are, there are soldiers out there that really love it. They, they love that level of aggression and violence, and they thrive on it. And, um, and I was part of all of that. Yeah. I, I wasn't deny it. But um, I, I still believe that there are, there are I'm by no means the first, there are soldiers throughout time that have had these experiences and then quickly become to reevaluate um, their, their situation and, and perhaps go into change the political um, movements that lead to these, this level of conflict or, or just on a very local community level. Yeah. Um, so I don't believe I'm the first by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I'm, again, I'm now doing what I think is best, which is yeah. highlight that this isn't the only way that we can do things. I had a look on a website, I think it was somewhere that was telling your story, and there was loads of pictures of you in the army, um, in the parachute regiment, and then pictures of you in China with a bigger beard. And a kind of, but the way you looked was so different between the two people. I didn't think it was the same person. I had to double-check it was actually you in the army. You didn't look like you, the, the guy I met. Yeah, I get that. Uh, when I've presented those photos before to people that um, have only known me now, um, they, they often ask if that's just I've just found 
a photo. But no, it, it's me. It's absolutely me. That, for the majority of my life, that's what I'd, that's how I've appeared. Right. Um, but yes, after coming back from Afghanistan, I, I went through a healing process. Well, I'm still going through a healing process, and um, I, I found a new, I found a new direction and new way of how I wanted to feel in my in my own body yeah. and appear to the to the wider world, which was one that was less intense and threatening and a little bit more approachable yeah now you you went off to china for for a while can you mm. that's, that's kind of a, a dramatic another dramatic change can you just say something about that what was your experience of training in china in tai chi uh, it was spectacular it was um <laughs> it was great i actually when i decided that i was going to leave for time china and study i was actually working at jp morgan yeah and um which is another intense environment and um a colleague of mine introduced me to the idea of perhaps practicing Tai Chi, that it might help me relax even further and, and, and still get physical exercise. You know. And it was in line with my meditations that I was practicing at the time. And from the first minute of practicing Tai Chi in front of the YouTube video, uh, I, I quickly understood that this was for me. Yeah. And it was a couple of months after that that I thought, I really, really do enjoy this, and it's having quite significant changes on my physical body and my character, that I decided to um, intensify my training, and, and the best way I could see of doing that was to go to China. That's mm. uh, so I actually quit J.P. Morgan mm. and um, travelled to China. I travelled to a, a lovely, lovely place called Yangshou in Guilin province. I mm. uh, studied with a, a, a great master, his name is Master Wang, and uh, I spent two months with him, pretty much um, often just one-on-one -on -one training, eight hours a day in incredible serene uh, scenery, of, mm. of mountains that you see in the movies of Chinese landscapes, I couldn't believe it. And uh, it was that dedication and that focus of that training that... Uh, brought me even deeper and deeper into this period of reflection and healing yeah and it was just spectacular in this period after the war were you finding you were thinking about it a lot even during your training in china was it kind of coming up a lot yeah 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 it, and it's it's still with me today it's, i i process it differently I, I define it differently but i still think about afghanistan and and Iraq as well, even though that was less um, demanding. Yeah. But yeah, in my because Tai Chi is essentially a meditation. Yeah. So through these movements that we were practicing and that I was learning and studying, um, emotions came up, and emotions of my wartime experiences in Afghanistan came up, and even while I was practicing Tai Chi, I remember that. I was having very emotional experiences, tears, um, but tears of healing. So it was just, it was a very interesting experience to be moving so gently and, and so um, having such flexibility introduced to my body. Mm. And then at the same time, processing all of these emotions that were coming up. Yeah. Very, very. Brilliant. No, it seems like one of the key parts of your journey has been around, or the early part was kind of masculinity and courage. But mm. you, it seems like you're talking about a new 
vision of masculinity that includes things like vulnerability and sensitivity. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I feel that, um, for the, especially from a military perspective, which I don't think is too hard to um, to fathom, when we, as soldiers, these men, we go through these experiences, we um, there's there's no real place for vulnerability and sensitivity in these environments. It, off the battlefield, even even in barracks, it, these are my my um, unit is a male only unit. So it's very, very masculine, overt masculinity. Yeah. And um, but when we go through these experiences in in these war zones and conflict zones, we 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 experience such traumatic events, and we come home and the environment around us is still one of of overt masculinity, which equates to strength and independence and physical dominance and you know, all of these things that we, we would normally attribute to masculinity. Yeah. With those traumatic experiences and all of those emotions that become attached to it, we've, there's no place for us to begin a healing process. Mm. Uh, so we just carry it around and we harm ourselves and our relationships and, and our wider community often when we feel that way. So the power of vulnerability, if we can allow ourselves to feel vulnerable and become sensitive to how we actually feel, then that, for me, really is the only way that you can start any healing process. You have to understand and acknowledge that you hurt and that you feel something, whatever it is you feel. Yeah. It's only through that vulnerability and sensitivity that you can begin any sort of healing. I guess there was a lot of young men uh, growing up, you know, um, that this would be a very radical message for them. Um, are you finding that when people, when you kind of speak this way, people are kind of taken aback, or do you, or do you find young guys particularly are, are embracing of this message? Um, mixed, I get mixed responses. Um, some, some of my, some of my brothers that I was in Afghanistan with, a lot of them I find now, they they reach out to me, or or they reach out to other platforms that, that they think are, are useful to them, just Buddhist meditations, or I see that they're reading particular books that highlights that they're clearly going through this process. Um, so it really is mixed. There is the other half of it that would just be in total denial of, of any of this, which is perfectly fine. I can totally understand it, yeah. because I was that guy not so long ago as well. This was only 2008, so we, you know, we're coming up to the 10-year anniversary now. Yeah. But what's interesting is that my um, only four weeks ago, I delivered my 16-year-old son to uh, the Army Foundation College at Harrogate, and mm -hmm. he's now in the military, and is hoping to join my unit, Parachute Regiment. <laughs> um, but he's obviously around me speaking like this all the time, yeah. which I think is really valuable. Because yeah. he's a tough kid, you know, he's a tough kid. He wants to be physically robust and he wants to endure these these tests mm. like a lot of young men do. Mm. But I'm very aware that I'm offering him also another perspective, which doesn't mean that he still can't achieve, that he can't be successful in all of these tests and that he can't be physically robust and that he he is capable of enduring these great challenges, but that you can also be 
vulnerable and sensitive. It's amazing. And yeah. it's a strength as well, of course. But, you know, in times gone past, a lot of the cultures had initiations for people to s- step up, you know, step into manhood. We don't really have that now. And I think a lot of people see gangs or even the army as a form of initiation into manhood. Would you say there's some something in that? Definitely there's something in that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's... And I'm not railing against the military in any way. I think there's real there's real value in the education and the, the structure and the discipline that, that the military offers. It, it's not the military of years gone by where you are just punished for no reason in in some vain attempt to just make you hard. Yeah. Now there's, uh, as I say, I just I took my son to the Army Found Foundation College, and there they educate the young men and women in in um, mathematics and English and normal school subjects. Uh, it, it is a regular college, but in addition to it. They teach military training, mm. which, um, you know, lots of physical training, which keeps them fit and healthy. They're kept, they're, they're disciplined. They keep their focus because they're they're not around. They're they're in Harrogate, so for for certainly for my son, many many hours drive away from his home, uh, even my home or his mum's home and his friends. So it's just this world where he can immerse himself in and there's real structure a positive structure in that for a lot of young people i think it's great it's just it's not for everyone of course and it's far less harmful than entering into gang culture yeah for sure uh keith i know one of the things you you're one of the things you do teach about is forgiveness why is forgiveness so important I think we have to start with ourselves. Well, no, we have to start with ourselves, as with all things. And um, it's just so, so hard to forgive ourselves for not being perfect and not being this, not being that, not being tough enough or or, or feeling vulnerable for a lot of men, coming from my perspective, for a lot of men. Being vulnerable is brings guilt. Yeah. So if you can forgive yourself, <laughs> just even by that small step, just forgive yourself for feeling the way that you feel. However you feel is perfectly okay. Yeah. It's, it's how you react to these emotions that, that can cause harm. The emotions themselves, are, they're all good. Mm. It's all good. So the forgiveness of oneself and one's perceived failings is vital. Because then we begin to understand that we're all just the same and that everyone else that we come into contact with in our life has had the same failings, same perceived failings. Yeah. And they probably feel very same, very similar to us. That they need to forgive themselves and we can help that by forgiving them. Well, well guilt, guilt uh, I, mean, I, mean, I know the feeling, I guess many people do, feeling of guilt can be so strong in some people can't it that it can be overwhelming if <coughs> i remember when i went through a period of guilt and what i kind of felt was all right if i just accept because we as you say rather than fight it just accept it that kind of helped but it didn't mean it went away it kind of diminished over time but it was almost time it was a great healer with that and acceptance is that one way are there other ways of dealing with it yeah i think acceptance <laughs> 
I teach Tai Chi, so what sort of a teacher would I be if I didn't ex um, yeah. acceptance? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, accepting, accepting your. So if we're talking about emotions, you just accept how you feel. Yeah. That can that can that can very quickly uh, turn into a profound healing process. Just owning your feelings. I feel traumatized. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that far. I feel sad. Yeah. For for men, um, that's just even feeling sad can be can bring about feelings of tremendous guilt, mm. which is just unhelpful. Um, but yes, time does time's a great healer. We all know that. Yeah. But really, the act of of just accepting how you feel. And then seeing, giving yourself that space to feel, can that in itself can change how you then act based on your emotions instead of having this immediate reaction, let's say to let's say to fear yeah. or anger. Let's say we feel angry. If we don't give ourselves that space to understand that we it's okay to feel anger, and but why do we feel this anger? Then that can be the difference between lashing out violently, or sitting there for that split instant and just saying, "Oh, I'm angry because not because of this situation. I'm angry, angry because this or that, or I've been withholding. I'm not, I'm not expressing myself properly in other aspects of my life. You know, it, it can be any number of things, but the, the value of just taking that moment before reacting." Right. Just see how you feel, and then then act, but don't just react. There's real value in that, I believe. So, Keith, um, can I ask you if somebody's and there's a lot of guys struggling with a kind of male identity. You know, what does it mean to be a man? What kind of what advice would you give someone? You know, who's kind of really reflecting on masculinity, or what would you kind of what pointers would you give, or what suggestions, or or what would you yeah what would you say I would say that honesty and authenticity is is really key because yeah. uh, we can we can lose ourselves in in this and that in, in our ego is taking us off into this direction and saying yeah but you still can't feel this way or yeah but something whereas if we just keep coming back to honestly assessing what it is we feel, what it is we're experiencing, um, and and trying to see some value in that, that authenticity of, of one's own self, and giving yourself space to express yourself honestly and authentically. Um, I think that's a great place to start. Mm. A great place to start. But, it, but it's hard if you don't feel secure enough to do that it, it's it's really it can be really hard even i i was scared of how my parents would uh, would perceive my new um, way of thinking so it took me quite a while yeah. to even begin vocalizing this process even though other people my close friends and that were already aware that this was happening but yeah if you don't feel in an environment where you're secure enough to be honest to be authentic, 
then that's really difficult. And all I can say to, to those people would be that you, that you aren't alone. You only have to reach out in, in another direction. Just seek, and, and someone will find you, and you'll find someone. That's, my, that's been my experience. You just have to keep asking. Well, thanks, uh, Keith. Now, if anybody wants to connect with Keith, his website is DowOfAwakening.com, and there will be a link going out with this podcast. So, Keith, all the best, and we must have tea again sometime soon. Thank you very much, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.